You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Remain standing as I read our foundational text today, coming from Genesis, the 26th chapter. Genesis 26, do quite a bit of reading here down to verse 6, and then we're going to read 12 through 14. And it says, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Drop down to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. What land? The land that the Lord told him to stay in. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year. Somebody, look, somebody says it's going to happen for you this year. It's going to happen for you this year. Come on, we, see, we, we in the second part of this year, some of y'all and gave up on the promises already, told me, I guess it'll happen next year. No, come on, God still got time to bless you. And he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants, so the Philistines envied him. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, y'all, I once heard someone say, and when they said it, it was somewhat of a mentor to me from afar, and uh, he said something, even though I highly esteemed this, this person, I questioned what he was saying. And I encourage y'all, because I, I want to pass the church of thinking people. If I say something you think don't line up with the word, go search it out. The Bible talks about the Christians who were at Berea, that they were more noble. It really meant more educated, smarter than the other folks. He said, and when they heard Paul preach, they went and searched the scriptures to see if the things that he was saying was true. So I heard someone say, I know the principles of prosperity, and I will be prosperous wherever I go. Happened to be a man of God. He said, wherever I go, I'll have a mega church. And there's a part of me that said, hey, man. But another part made me question that, and, and I thought about that and pondered that. Because I've discovered that you can do the right thing in the wrong place. When you look at the scriptures, when referring to Christians, or what sometimes I term kingdom citizens, we're all citizens of the kingdom now, right? We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. 
we are no longer strangers, but we're joined as with Christ. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. Uh, when we see references to Christians and to kingdom citizens in the scriptures, we see terms like ambassadors. We see terms like soldiers. We see terms like servants. And all of these references of ambassadors, servants, disciples, soldiers, are titles of people who are assigned to particular people in a particular place. And I've also learned both from personal experience as well as biblical study, I have discovered that the blessing of the Lord is geographic. And so I want to speak from the title today, The Geographic Blessing. Speak from the title, The Geographic Blessing. I've discovered that the blessing of the Lord is geographic. Now, some of you if, may have to grapple with this concept. But let me tell you something. Don't grapple in the wrong place. Because <laughs> it may be too late to find out that what I'm telling you today is true. In the text, we see that God blesses us and prospers us as we are obedient to go where he tells us to go on the case of Isaac in the text, to stay where he tells us to stay. Some of us are old enough. I was a teenager in the 70s when, when Roots came out. Yeah, well, when, 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 when Roots, how, how many of us remember with the, 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 the saga Roots, Alex, Alex Haley Roots? Every now and then they show it about Black History Month or something again on television. Some of y'all don't watch it, okay? But... Um, the story of Alex Haley and his progenitor, who had Kunta Kinte, who came here from Africa. Well, he, Kunta was determined he wasn't going to be no slave. And he kept trying to run. He would run and get caught, and run and get caught, and run and get caught, and get, get beat and tortured and all that. And he kept running, so they finally cut his foot off to keep him from running. So then Kunta Kinte finally has a child, and he names the child Kizzy. Okay, I have a niece named Kizzy today because she was born when Roots came out. That's how deep that is. Some of y'all just name y'all. Some of y'all hear anything and just name your people. Yeah, I told y'all I was watching TV one day and the girl's name was Regular. <laughs> name the child. Her name was Regular, and it was spelled R-E-G-L-A-R. Regular, regular. Don't. Pray, but pray before you name your children. Don't call your child things like Ichabod. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. But Kizzy meant stay put. He did not want his daughter to go through what he went through, so he called her Kizzy, which in his original language meant to stay put. Look at somebody, tell him, sometimes you got the Kizzy. Sometimes you got the Kizzy. You got to stay put. The enemy desires, the scripture tells us, according to John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy. He desires to hinder us, to confuse us. But I want you to hear this. He also desires to get us 
off of our blessing coordinates. Look at somebody say, don't move from your blessing coordinates. Right now, each of us has a specific, I don't understand all that, some of y'all understand, specific coordinates based upon latitude and aptitude and, and, and uh, directions and all that. We, uh, each of us positionally right now are in a particular coordinate. And we must learn to be led by our spirit and not driven by our circumstances so that we can stay under the geographic blessing. I learned from experience, and some of you hear us talk about it over and over and over again. I know it seems so random. Looking back over it, it was random. It was so random we was out the will of God. That in, right after we got married, 1985 and 1986, I went to Maine to live, to live in Maine and uh, work for my uncle, who I did not know. Uh, who had not been around anybody. He just happened to come to my wedding. When Marsha and I got married, the whole family of the Baileys were all shocked. Why is he here? What made him come here? Well, uh, about a, uh, two years before that, his wife, who happened to be a French-Canadian woman, she wanted her daughter, my cousin, to know the black side of her family. So she came down to New York, and I toured him around, and, and, and so she got to know me. And she went back and told her husband about me. And so he came with an agenda. His agenda was to get me to come work in Maine because he found out there's an educated Bailey in the family and he could use me for his purposes. Oh my God. Oh my God, some of y'all ain't hear that right there. Some of y'all, the devil sees your potential and he wants to use you for his purposes. Jesus told Peter, he says, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. He wants to use you for his purpose. And so it sounded real good. We had just got we had just gotten married. I'm making about I'm making about a low in my about twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year. This is like 1985, 86. And then he promised me. He said, "Well, I'm gonna start you off at thirty five. Ten thousand dollars seemed like a whole lot of money. And uh, you're gonna start you off at thirty five, and then you're gonna have a company car and have this and have that and have this. And it was all lies." Three months into this, he said, did I explain to you how draw works? How many of y'all know how draw works? Anybody been in sales? You know, some of y'all, a draw works, it ain't, it ain't a salary. This is a loan, a loan against your future commissions. And I'm, I'm placing engineers and electrical engineers, computer engineers. And I have been, I don't know another engineer. It took me a while to even catch on to whom I'm placing. So then he cut me off. He cut me off and said, if you don't have a placement here next month, I'm cutting you off. And then he came to me and, and he said, you ain't working hard enough. I hear you up there at that black church on Wednesday nights. Up there, down there praying and having the Bible study. Well, if you got time to do that, you need to be in the office on Wednesday night. I said, no, I ain't going to be in the office. That was never part of it. He said, well, if you're not here, uh, I'm going to fire you. I said, you don't have to fire me because I quit. And I knew right there that there was a test of whether I would obey God or obey man. Whether I would compromise what God has for me and my ultimate assignment in life to make temporary money. That whole move for about five, six years got us off God's blessing coordinates. I had to repent and say, God, I did this looking at money, not listening to you. 
I did this for what I saw rather than what you saw for me. So I learned from experience. Now, God, thank God. I mean, God blessed us more than we could have imagined. But uh, there was some stuff that was delayed. Sometimes I got, I got to thinking about that just a couple weeks ago. I was talking to the Lord about certain things that's happened, including this sanctuary. Why things were delayed. The Lord said, well, you know, you was out the wheel for about five, six years. So stuff got delayed. Y'all quiet on me this morning. Some of y'all delaying stuff because you're out the will of God. You've gone out the, off the blessing, out the blessing coordinates. And sometimes we get off because of offense. Because you got angry. I ain't going no more. I ain't doing that no more. I'm leaving. And God didn't tell you that. Your emotions told you that. That's why James said, the, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. How many of y'all ever said something you didn't mean, but you were just mad at the moment? You, all the rest of y'all can come to the altar and repent right now. Yeah, you said something because you were mad. You didn't mean it, but what you said wasn't righteous because you said it out of anger. People move out of anger. People lose jobs out of anger. People leave churches out of anger. People disconnect with their man or woman of God out of anger. Come on now. And devil wants to get us off of our blessing coordinates. Don't move from your blessing coordinates. We got to learn, listen to me. You got to learn to be led by the spirit and not driven by your circumstances. Say that, so I will be led by the spirit and not driven by my circumstances. So God wants us to be led, not driven. God wants to be, us to be led, not driven. A good shepherd, the sheep get to know the sheep. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. My sheep know my voice and they what? They follow me. My sheep know my voice and they what? They follow. He doesn't have to beat them. He doesn't have to push them. As a, as a result of relationship, they know the voice and they follow. God wants to be led, not driven. Driven because something got hard. Driven because something looks scary. Driven because you're mad. And you're not led, you're driven by external circumstances versus led by the Spirit of God. Look at the scripture, Romans 8, 13 and 14. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Doing everything your flesh wants to do, you're going to die. That, that, and the Bible speaks of three types of death. The first death is what the certain serpent challenged Eve about. You won't surely die. And that first death is just separation from God, spiritual death. Spiritual death, it's just separation from God. You're out of fellowship with God. The second death, we know physical death. The heart stops beating. You stop breathing. But the third death is the eternal death when the person goes to hell. It was spiritual death that led to physical death. But unless you get born again, that's also going to lead to eternal death. You live by the flesh, you're going to die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of your body, the scripture says you're what? You're going to live. Are you all with me here? For as, come on, read verse 14 with me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And the word sons there, it means mature individuals. Mature Christians are led, not driven. Mature Christians are led, 
not driven. Well, opportunity comes up. You need to come over here, this or that, that. But you pray, but no, no, the Lord's not leading me to do that. Well, and everybody else who's led, who's driven by the flesh, they don't understand. Do you understand this is a good man? You understand he got a good job. You understand he make a lot of money. But they don't understand he ain't saved. Don't you wonder, this is a great opportunity. This can, this, you can get a good promotion, but they don't understand it's not where the Lord told you to be. It means they're led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. The external circumstances, the external weather conditions, or difficult situations that are going on in your life are not a surprise to God. Catch that. Whatever you're going through, it is not a surprise to God. Jesus told his disciples in the Gospels, get in the boat, go to the other side. And after he told them to go to the other side, a storm arose in the middle of the night as they were going. And some would think, didn't Jesus know? Why would he tell us to go to the other side even though there's a storm? Because the storm don't have anything to do with what he said. If he said go to the other side, storms may come and storms may go, but you're going to make it to the other side. Somebody say, I'm going to make it to the other side. When you're in the will of God, know that the will of God will prevail over everything else. And the devil will send storms, he'll send words, he'll send opportunities, he'll dangle a, 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 a carrot in front of you, he'll dangle money in front of you, he'll dangle some shiny experience in front of you, but you got to know what the will of God is. The Bible said, don't be fooled, but be wise, knowing what the will of God is, not the circumstances. So in the text, we see God tells Isaac, when there's a famine, just like there was in the days of his father, now, don't you go down to Egypt. The Bible does not even say that Isaac was asking God, should I go down to Egypt? The Bible doesn't even say that he was praying about it. Before he even busted the move, I said, let me tell you something, don't, don't go down to Egypt. Sometimes there's some stuff you don't even need to pray about. The Lord already told you. Don't go down to Egypt. Don't go down to Egypt like your father did. Last time there was a famine, your father, Abraham, went down to Egypt. I'm telling you, don't you go down to Egypt. Now, watch it. Just because that's what everybody else is doing doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do. Just because everybody in your family did it that way doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do. Are y'all hearing me? I told y'all my, my grandmother Nana told me when I was 15, 16 years old, and they released me from, from Bethesda Baptist Church. Because they got tired of me getting up to preach saying I was saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Mrs. Wright came to me and they used to call me, yo, 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 what's the little, the little boy going around preaching all the time? Y'all know what I'm talking about. He's on in, in, Master something. They call him Master something. Y'all know him. Y'all ain't like y'all ain't on social media. That little boy going around preaching everywhere. And he can preach too. And every time I see him, he's getting better and better. That boy's a good preacher. Okay. But they call him master something. He's like 12 years old, something like that. Now, if that, okay? That's what you, they call me Master Bailey. I wasn't in ministry. I wasn't licensed. And so uh, when I left, and my grandmother called me up 
He said, we all Baptists. We are Baptists. I was going to my uncle's Pentecostal church. He said, we are Baptists. She said, and Jesus was a Baptist. I'm looking at the phone like this. Did you just say Jesus was a Baptist? She said, Jesus was a Baptist. Said, John was the first Baptist, and John baptized Jesus, and Jesus became the second Baptist. That wouldn't be so bad if she wasn't a Sunday school teacher. She was messing some kids up. And I just, I didn't argue, you know, today y'all were arguing debate. I came along at a time that when adults said stuff, even if you disagree, you said yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and went on about your business. Y'all want to argue and debate with all the seniors today. But that was our family tradition. She didn't understand. But I knew God was telling me to do something different. And then when I was the only preacher who had come out of that church, in something like 30 years. That's a sad testimony. So when Reverend Wright died, I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My Aunt Dottie called me. She's on the board. Who would put Aunt Dottie on the church board? <laughs> she, on the, she said, I was talking to the board, and they told me I'm making you the pastor. Because you're the only preacher that came out of this church. I was, I was a little bit flattered. I mean, this is a hundred-something year church. It's a historical church. And that was right after I sent a letter of condolence to the church and commending Reverend Wright and I started the ministry from him and all that. He said, they want you to send a resume. But they want to make you the next pastor. And I'm preparing my resume to send it with a cover letter. The Lord said, that ain't what I told you to do. I said, huh? Well, said, that ain't, that ain't what I told you to do. So I didn't, I didn't respond anymore. She called me back. We waiting on a resume. <laughs> Y'all got to know how my aunt daddy talk. Waiting on a resume. I said, no, Lord, tell me. I said, we're not. I said, no, the Lord didn't tell me. She said, oh, you don't want to be the pastor of this church? Oh, you're going to have yourself a little hole in the wall. Pentecostal church, huh? Boy, this is a big hole. <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me here. You're going to have yourself a little hole in the wall, Pentecostal church. We're after non-denominational, but we, we Baptist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Word of Faith, Costal. We work it in. We work it in. And she didn't understand, but I knew what God said to me. And it looked like a great opportunity, but that I had been out and off of my blessing coordinates, and I ain't doing that again. Some of you need to learn from your mistakes. Come on, some of you need to, you, you need to just tell the Lord right now, God, if you get me out of this, if you get me back on track, from now on, I ain't going to bust a move unless I know you said. Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. I know that's what your father did. But don't go. So I looked at why did people go down to Egypt that God would even say it before he even, even bust a move? There were several reasons why people would go down to Egypt, especially when there was famine. Number one, Egypt was known to have an abundance of food. Egypt was known for its fertile land, thanks to the annual flooding of the Nile River. 
that resulted in abundant crops, food supplies, and even during times of famine in surrounding regions, traveling to Egypt provided an opportunity to find sustenance and survive during a time of scarcity. In other words, it just made sense. Go where it looks like there's a supply. Secondly, people would go down to Egypt because of political alliances. And often, and often the leaders or rulers of different regions, they would have diplomatic ties with Egypt. That's why Solomon married so many strange women for political alliances. And they would seek refuge and aid from a powerful nation like Egypt. That could have been a way to strengthen their political alliances or seek protection during troubled times. In other words, they, they tried to get protection from Egypt because it looked like it was a strong nation. Thirdly, people go to Egypt because of the trade routes. In other words, it was good business. I had never heard this saying before, but somebody said it. Uh, some people just operate by this philosophy. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. How many of y'all heard that before? I had never heard that before. I heard that about a week ago. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. In other words, if you're going to profit from it, if it's going to be profitable, then do it. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. And yet that still is not necessarily the spirit of the Lord leading you. They're, so they go to Egypt for trade routes. Egypt was a major hub for trade and commerce in the ancient world. And traveling to Egypt during the time of famine, it would offer opportunity to engage in trade, acquire resources, or establish economic connections. Y'all know y'all go places the Lord didn't tell you to go. You just think if you go there, you're going to meet somebody. You go to club. The Lord didn't tell you to go to club. But if I go to this club, I might meet somebody. And the fourth reason why, in the case of Isaac, go to Egypt, it was tradition. His father Abraham, who temporarily resided in Egypt during, during a famine, Therefore, the reason that people go to Egypt during times of famine can be linked to the availability of food, to political alliances, to trade opportunity and business, and just for tradition. It's what everybody does. It's what everybody does. Oh, come on. I'm speaking to somebody here. If God's going to do something exceptional with you, you can't do what everyone else does. Oh, come on. That was, that was for somebody. They didn't receive it over here. Somebody over here. If God's going to do something exceptional with you, you can't do what everyone else does. God needs interrupters and disruptors. God needs people who, who wants to do a new thing in a new way. God wants people to do something that doesn't make sense in the natural because they hadn't seen it before. And so, for that reason, you've got to be open to what the Spirit of the Lord tells you to do and not just follow tradition. You've got to understand that the blessing of the Lord is geographic. So, God says to Isaac, don't you go down to Egypt. Let's look more about the why people went to Egypt. And God often would have to remind his people, don't do the natural. Don't rely on Egypt. Look at Isaiah 30, verse 2 and 3. The prior verse, he says, woe. Woe means warning. He warns those, Isaiah 32, who walk down to Egypt and have not asked my advice. Oh, my goodness. You just went on because that seemed like it makes sense, but you didn't pray about that. Years ago, my campus pastor down in Orangeburg, Pastor Trey, he tells a story that um, uh, they, had just, they had just gotten to ministry and, well, and that he had gotten married and he used to work for UPS. And UPS gave him a $200,000 opportunity to move to, I think, to Myrtle Beach. 
they were going down to Myrtle Beach. And he was making plans to move to Myrtle Beach. Here come to me about he going to opt in company moving to Myrtle Beach. And so Katie kept saying to him, did you pray about that? And he said, listen, there's $200,000 and we're going to move to Myrtle uh, She said, did you? And he said about the third time she said, did you pray about it? He said, now next time you ask me, I'm going to have an answer. In other words, no. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. And you can just be following the sense. And the, you can be following the dollars and get out of your blessing coordinate. And he later understood that wasn't what the Lord told him to do. But it looked like he was going to be driven by the circumstance. It looked like a great opportunity. So God said, you, you go down to Egypt, but you didn't ask my advice. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.